amazing. Um, um, when we take our place in extending God's love, you just never know when you sow seeds um, uh, how far they go. Other people sow seeds in their lives. Sometimes it's the simplest things, but yet God uses the simple. You know, the Bible says that God uses the simple things of this world uh, actually to, to show up. <laughs> Come on, he shows off. But the simplest things, he shows off with children. And, uh, and how, uh, but God, God is moving in this time and in this hour, and we do not want to miss out on what he's doing on the earth. I believe, I'm one of those that believes that it's going to be absolutely awesome in the last days. Now, it, things will be crazy, the world will get crazier. It says that we will call good bad and bad good, we'll call right wrong and wrong right. There'll be all craziness, and I think we see all sorts of crazy right now. But that's not a time to be afraid or anything like that. That's the time to get really excited because the Bible says that the latter rain shall be greater than the former rain. That where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. And so when we see things begin to happen, that things seem wacky or whatever it might be, and we feel like Christians are coming under persecution, whatever, that is a time for the church to arise and rejoice because the time of our Lord is coming and God's going to save a lot of people. Revival is going to happen in the last day. We think our Pentecost was a great revival, but the Bible says it's going to be greater in the last day than it was in the beginning. And I want to see that happen in our time. Amen? So we want to get ourselves ready. Get ready as a believer. Don't get all... Um, um, Worried when you see things not going well. Don't, because our God is in control. Oh, nothing passes by without his control. God, our God is in control. He's con- in control of our world. He's in control of your world. He holds my world in his hand, someone said. And you can come, you can ride the storms knowing that God is in control. Amen? So we continue this morning. The title of our message today is going to be Go Where I Show You. Come on, say, Go Where I Show You. Uh, we're going to read, uh, from, well, before we go to read, uh, for those that maybe missed this, um, uh, I wanted to tell you, kind of bring you up to date. To, uh, um, we are having a new addition. I think we have, is that the next slide? I don't remember these slides. I, there we go. Pastor Chris and Maria Allende, those that missed it. They are a couple that are going to be joining our pastoral team here uh, in July. Right now they're in uh, Guatemala where Chris has served as a missionary for almost eight years this summer uh, with Youth Challenge and uh, also working together with Pastor Hector Nufio, which is one of the churches that we fellowship together in Guatemala. And they're going to help with the youth ministry. And in addition to that, they're going to be church planting uh, in uh, Crete. And it's not the island of Crete. It is Crete, Nebraska, just south of here. Uh, there is a bilingual, I want to call it the Sp- Spanglish Church, because Chris is going to be able to reach both uh, Spanish-speaking and English-speaking people. So how many believe that the church should be united? We shouldn't have like a, a Spanish church, or this church, or that church. It's the church of Jesus Christ, and should represent all people. Come on now, it should represent all people. And so God's really anointed them, wonderful young couple. Some of them got to meet them. And right now, we need to pray for them, okay? You start praying for them. You'll see their info on the bulletin. But help us pray for them. You know, they're making a huge step in their lives. It's a really a big step, but it's a, God, it's a step of faith. And God's going to use them, and we're going to enjoy their ministry when they come. Now, um, uh, open your Bibles to the book of Genesis. Now, for those who don't know that, it's the first book of the Bible. 
Genesis chapter 12. Chapter 12, I'm going to read three verses. This is the part where uh, God talks to Abraham. In fact, he says that the Lord said to Abraham, go, verse 1, go. Everybody say go. go. Man, do we have that word memorized already? All right. Go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land which I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the people of the earth will be blessed through you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray blessing on your word that the seed come into our lives to bring health, O God, and bring fruit to the hearer. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I think, I think of Abraham being told to go, uh, go to a place where I will show you. God didn't tell him what country, not pl- no place. He didn't even give him a direction, west, east, south, whatever. He just go, go to a place where I will show you. Leave your father's household, leave everything you've ever known, leave your comfort. You go where I will show you. And the Bible says that Abraham went uh, as the Lord had commanded. That verse 4 goes on to talk about how God, Abraham went without really having any assurances as to where he was going. No security whatsoever. I think of Chris here and, 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 uh, and his wife Mary, you know. Two and a half years they've been married and uh, set in doing a great ministry there. Just, uh, he, we were just talking when I was down in Guatemala this spring. He's like, you know, Pastor, I just got myself a nice grill. We're just starting to kind of settle. And when God says, go to a place where I will show you, <laughs> called Lincoln, Nebraska. Man, it's like, I got to dig up my map and check where Lincoln, Nebraska was, you know. And they, and, and they responded, not understanding all the details, but knowing God is in it. And in our lives, in our lives, God wants to not only test us, but he wants, he tests us because he wants us to, it's not about the religion or anything, it's about relationship. But the thing about relationship, any honest and good relationship, you have, you have to have something called trust. And trust will be tested. And God wants to establish trust in our lives, in our relationship with him. If it is a relationship, then it has to be based upon trust. No different how we relate to our spouses. No different how we relate with our co-workers and everybody. If you don't trust somebody that you work with or someone that you live with, you know they can do all the right things, but you will always question, well, what's, what's the motive? Because maybe trust was broken. And so if we're going to have a relationship with God, then God wants us to establish a trust. And I think what he was doing with Abraham here, he was establishing the fact that, does Abraham really trust me? Do I trust that God knows my future? Do I trust God he has looking out, that God's going to look out for me? Do I trust in his goodness that he has good plans for my life? That what he would do, he would not disappoint me. That I can count on him. In fact, one of the most amazing people in the Bible is Abraham. If you can study the life of Abraham, you'll be all well. Because Abraham lived in the Old Testament. He lived even before Moses. And he was called the father of faith. He's called the father of faith. The Bible says this about Abraham. It says that Abraham believed God. 
Abraham had trust in God. Abraham had faith in God. He believed God and that was given to him. He was credited for righteousness. His righteousness didn't come by the things he did or the rules he kept. His righteousness came because he believed in God. He trusted in God. And then all the way in the New Testament, we are told to be like Abraham. Who lived even before Christ. Now think about this. God has always been about relationship. He found a man called Abraham that had complete trust in him. Had a relationship with him. And he says that this man is the example that I want you to look at. As a, to, 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 and he, you guess what? His faith was tested. And the ultimate one was when he was tested with his son. That he found, our test, look at me, your t- faith will be tested. Look at the person next to you and tell them, your faith will be tested. <laughs> and God will always test our faith at different levels. But you know what he does? When we pass the test, we are promoted to a new level. And every new level brings a new devil. And you win, you get promoted to a new level. And that's why the Bible says that we ought to go from one glory to another. But you never, quit get, you never get into your life, you never get to a point in life where there, is, there are no tests. Never. But the greater the test, the more faith God has in you in being able to conquer. Can I talk to just some people that are going through some tough things right now? God believes that you could do it. Otherwise, he wouldn't let the accuser of the breath and try and test you in this way. He knows. He's like, come on, Peter, you could do it. Come on, Ken. You could, I know you could do it. He trusts you. Because he said he would never let any temptation that's too hard for us to bear. He would allow, and he'll show off for the enemy. I told you about my kid. Yeah, you might have tormented him, but I knew. At the end, he'll still continue to stand. That's what we're talking about. It's about trust. It's about relationship. It's about trusting our God. Now, Abram, to me, it fascinates me, but there's some things I can identify with. I remember when I moved to Lincoln. You know, I signed up for two years. I moved to Lincoln for two years. And I moved because I was in love. I wanted my bride. I was like, okay. My father-in-law says, like, hey, you know, if you want to marry my daughter, you know, um, uh, you're going to have to live here for two years. Understand our culture, whatever. I think I was strict, you know. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I said, two years, I could do that, you know. So, and how many years now later? I'm still in Lincoln, Nebraska. But I remember driving to work. Out like on 84th Street, you know, when you're still country out there. And then it just, that thought would just hit you, you know, you know, before the Skype and all those things. You know, it seems like a long time ago. It wasn't that long ago, but it's amazing. And I, sometimes just that thought will hit you and think, wow, I'm really far from my family. I'm really far from, you know, it's just, it hits you randomly. I'm thinking, where in the world <laughs> am I? I'm just driving home from work, you know, and that kind of, thing I, I've experienced in my own life. And God, God tell, takes you, when you follow the Lord, He takes you to places that you won't necessarily have planned for yourself, but God is always choosing to bless you in the situation. Now, think about this. 
God tells Abraham to go, and then all these blessings. He tells Abraham about this. Make, I will make you into a great nation. I will make your name great. I will bless you. B- b- bless you. You will be a blessing to others. The people that curse you will be cursed. The people that bless you will be blessed. In other words, if they choose to be your friends, good for them because I'm going to bless them. And your enemies, the naysayers, the ones that would be putting you down, and says, don't worry, I'll take care of that business too. Sometimes we get so distracted by our enemies. And God says, don't fight your enemies. Bless those who persecute you. Pray for them because God will take care of your business. I'd rather God take care of my enemies than me trying to. But the temptation is always we want to take care of our, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. We want, they gotta, they got to pay for it. i got to prove it. And we get all worked up and all that. And God says, chill. I got this. I got this. Trusting God to the point that even when we feel like it's going out of control, that we know he will never leave us, he will never forsake us. I think the promise there is so similar to what we've been studying for a number of weeks in the Great Commission, where Jesus says to us, go and make disciples of all nations. He gives us the Great Commissions. But you know what Jesus says? He says, guess what? When you do this, I will be with you always. Even to the end of age. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I think it's very similar. The promise and the blessing was a result of the obedience to go. See, God didn't start with telling Abraham, Hey, Abraham, come here, buddy. Come here. You know, I want to bless your life. You're going to be so awesome. You're going to be so great. You're going to be so famous. You're world, you're, nobody's going to... And then now, you know, I got a deal. Now that I, you, you have that security... Now go. It was the opposite. God told him, go. And then, the blessings. The, he started declaring all these blessings of his life. Like Jesus tells us to go and make disciples. He goes, hey, guess what? When you do that, I am with you. Always. So the blessing, the promises, the favor, the things that we see do, they are a result of us going and obeying God's word and doing what he's called us to do even when we don't understand it. Because this is what the Bible says, that these works will follow all those who believe. We don't follow the works. We don't follow the signs. We don't follow the miracles. The Bible says these things will follow. They will follow us. Blessing will follow you. Favor will follow you. You will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. That happens when we are out into the world and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. I want to share just three thoughts this morning. Now that's an improvement. I had a complete makeover. Just three thoughts. When we're thinking the subject of God. The first thought I want to share with you is authority. Authority. Jesus said... That all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, therefore, I make disciples. He's saying, listen, I am making you a deal. I'm always going to be with you. He even tells us that we don't even have to know the words to say. Because when you're going, I'll even tell you what to say. Have you ever been in a situation where... You are talking to somebody and they're sharing their heart out. Maybe they're going through a difficulty in their lives 
And you're thinking, man, this is heavy stuff. And you don't even have, you don't know. And all of a sudden, you'll say something that wasn't out of your mind. It's like the Holy Spirit gives you, and that the words you say bring comfort or bring hope to the person. I say, oh, thanks for saying that. You know, it brings hope to somebody. And all of a sudden, they, they calm down. You know, it wasn't anything of you. That's when the Holy Spirit says, you know what? You don't even have to have. You don't even have to know the whole thing. If you're obedient and following just where I show you. You know, the Bible says that as many who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. This is a life of allowing God to lead you. You wake up every day knowing that God, hey, what you got for me today? You might have a schedule full, but God has his own plan. And saying, God, I want your plan for my life today. I want you to show me uh, how I could touch somebody else today. How I can be a witness in, in my world. If the Bible says that a city, on a, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Let your light so shine before men that your Father in heaven may be glorified. Sometimes we take our lamps and put them under our seats. What you have in you, Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ is in you. Change your life. It's not something to be ashamed of. It's not something to be hidden. It is the light of the world. It is so valuable, and the world needs to see it. Not all will respond. Again, not all will respond. But the people that will see the light, because again, God never violates free will. He gives us a choice to follow him. Amen? And we are his ambassadors to follow him. I want to submit to you that today, as we walk and we take this to heart, something, hey, Pastor Solo, boy, you've talked about this a lot. Yes, I have. Because sometimes we look at evangelism as a church program or something we do. And we even preach it sometimes as our, our duty to God. If you look at it as our duty, you already missed it. Because it's not a duty. God, again, I'm going to say it again, until that time blue, if that's even possible. God is about relationship. He always has been about relationship. He always will be about relationship. The story of creation, God creates the world and everything in it. He creates everything. It gets time to make for man. The Bible says that the Lord God went, took the dust of the ground and he formed man. You know what he said? Let us make man into our own image. It doesn't, it's not a singular. It doesn't use a singular term. When you read the story of creation in Genesis chapter 1, everything God did. God said, God did, God said. But when it came to building man, God actually used, introduced us to the Trinity. Because he's showing us that God is a God of relationship. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. He said, let us make man into our own image. At that time and earlier, people didn't even have knowledge of Jesus. But yet, in the scripture right there from the beginning, he said, let us make man. And God actually uses, it takes an action that's stronger than what he did. Everything else, he just spoke it. But for him, he says, the Lord formed man from the dust. He in, he, he, he used touch. This is my wife, for those who don't know. He used touch. He used his hands. He says, God formed man. And in addition to that, God breathed into his nostril the breath of life, and man, man became a living being. He created us for relationship with him. 
He created you and I for relationship with him. Sin separated us from that point of relationship. Okay. And ever since, our quest is to try to retain or obtain, get to God somehow. And um, religion has formed <laughs> ways of man attempting to reach God. But yet God has a great invitation that takes no religion to a great relationship with him. And that comes through the man Jesus Christ who's opened the opportunity for God not to forgive us our sins. I talked about this last week. But to bring reconciliation with God. Forgiveness, you can forgive without reconciling. Forgiveness is just, it takes one party to forgive. You know, if someone wronged me, I can choose to forgive him whether we are right or not. I can do it for my own good. But reconciliation brings relationship where we walk together, we make things right together. And what Christ did on the cross was not just to forgive us our sins. He came to make relationship, to to connect us to a place of relationship uh, with God. In the in the in the uh, in, in the uh, in the Old Testament, at the very very beginning, the book of uh, of um, Genesis, earlier on, there's a man called Enoch, who the Bible says he came to God at one point, and the Bible says that Enoch walked walked with God. In other words, Enoch wasn't just practicing religion. Enoch had a relationship with God. And God used that guy. You know, you see through the traces. You go through your Bible, you realize. God was more impressed, and he was one of those guys that we have a mark on. In fact, the Bible says that he didn't even die. He was so close with God that God said, hey, Enoch, you're coming with me. You're not going to see corruption. He discovered something about having a relationship and walking with Jesus. What do we call discipleship? Following Jesus. To me, you never follow, unless you never follow a guy that's standing still. You're always in a motion. You're always going. In following Jesus in flux motion. And Eli walked, uh, Enoch walked with God. This was before Christ. What am I trying to do is that I want to prove to you that Christ came to reveal to us who God was. But what he did, he wanted us to come back to a place of relationship. What was lost with Adam to restore that to us. That's why the Bible says calls Jesus the second Adam. The first Adam broke that deal. The second Adam brings reconciliation with God. Not that we become good church people who attend and do this and practice it. No, it's so that we can once again begin to walk with God. And that's what discipleship is all about. It's about me following Jesus, and in my process of following Jesus, I'm trying to bring as many people, introduce them to that loving relationship that they could follow Jesus too. Amen? And God says when we catch that, we are unlocking in the heavenly the blessing, blessing unimaginable blessing. Because it says there is authority that comes with that. All the promises in the New Testament that Jesus says of the church and the people who follow him, talking about promises of healing, of prophecies, all these things, they're all tied to the obedience to the Great Commission. All tied to it. You go make, do all this. It's always tied to when we are going, and the going comes first. I remember <laughs> the first time 
we've been talking about a few things like the go book. These are just tools. It's not a duty to do a church. That's not what we're about. I remember the first time um, I preached. Many of you might know my story. I never set out to be a preacher or a pastor, let alone being a pastor in Lincoln, Nebraska. It was never in my plans. Never. But I remember the first time my pastor asked me to preach on a Sunday morning. Um, uh, he was going to be gone for a while. And I had like a month. It's like, hey, you know, we're planning. And so and I remember how <laughs> what, it was a weird feeling. It, it was exciting. It, I was honored, but I was nervous. But I tell you, um, uh, that month, I started more than I ever started in my life. I prayed for our church more than I ever prayed for our church. And I went in and I preached. And I don't think there was a soul that was impressed with my preaching. I don't even think now they do. But I tell you what, I might have not impressed anybody with my preaching. But there was such a leap in me. I, I had more burden for the church. I prayed more than I ever prayed. I studied more than I ever studied. It did more to me than it did to the church. I was a novice. I said, hey, good job, Solo. You really try. You know, great. Thank you. You know, and I was ready for it to be done. But I tell you, because he asked me to do that, there was a huge leap for me. I remember same thing happened with a small group. And for you, too, sometimes they're like that book. They will have a bunch of those go books, and you'll hear us making reference to it. We make those things to help us be able to, 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 to fellowship with other believers, disciple new believers, when people are coming to Christ all the time. And they need you. Someone helped you one time taking that book with somebody else. It doesn't mean that you're perfect. You say, Pastor, oh, well, you don't know my life. I've got stuff in my life. Hello. We know. And God knows. And guess what? We have stuff in our lives too. They might be different than you, but everybody's got stuff. I remember someone said it this way. Don't be so judgmental. Don't judge people because they seem differently than you do. What I want to tell you is, this is what God is looking for. Authenticity. Don't be phony. Don't be fake. And I know religion is what has birthed the phoniness and the fakeness. If you act with, <laughs> put on masks, and then you find out that you have a different lifestyle, that's, di- that's not what God's looking for. What God is looking, you don't have to know the whole Bible to help somebody else follow Jesus. Right now I'm preaching, you might not even be following Jesus, and you'll be make a choice after the service today to follow Jesus. And guess what? You could, even this afternoon, help somebody else follow Jesus. We made it into this thing that it's a few people that are called into full-time ministry that are ordained. There is a place for that. But every believer, they are commissioned to bring people. But guess what? Jesus says when you do that, when you bring people to him, it says all authority I will never leave you. I will be with you always. And that's how Abraham's blessing, we read, the blessing came, it was after Abraham decided to follow. The promise that he was, it was going to follow him. If Abraham had not 
decided. If he had said, oh God, you know, I like the idea, but unless you send me a full plan, complete business strategy, everything mapped, yeah, unless you do that, I'm not going to move. Guess what? I don't think we would have, this, the story would have read the same way it did. Why? Trust. Not that God will not reveal the next step, but he wants us to trust him. My second thought is goodness. Trusting in the goodness of the Lord. I always say God is good. And all the time. It's not just a statement. We need to really believe that. That God is good. Jesus came to restore and to teach us faith in God. You know, we all have faith. We all have faith. The atheists have faith. Everybody's got faith. What Jesus is wanting to teach us is to have faith in God. I read about, the, <laughs> I read about a, a, a young uh, uh, man. As like his village went, there was drought and everything, and his village went out to pray. And when people gathered, a young man came with an umbrella. He had faith. When I, I think about our, my kids, uh, even this last week, it happens. You know, when you're a father and your kids have faith in you. They don't even think. They have trust. They jump from their stairs and they know that I will catch them. Problem is, some of them are getting bigger. I walked in the house. I walked in the house the other day. I have a backpack. I have coffee in one hand. And I'm walking in. And one kid that I wouldn't mention their name, they just came, woo! And I'm like pulling one of those, woo! And this kid has actually added some pounds lately. I'm thinking... But I'm telling you, that, but that's trust. And you're like, you know, daddy will always catch me. And they don't even think, man, you know, dad might not be as strong as Kenny Rubin, you know. <laughs> but they have trust. And we have trust, but we lose that innocence of the faith of a little child. And God wants to bring us to that place of trusting him like a child. You know, every day we go, we go to bed. Every day with no promise of tomorrow. No promise of, but we set our alarms. We have a calendar. We make plans with zero knowledge. We have a schedule probably full for the week. Zero knowledge about our future. We have confidence. You know, the world is going crazy. And, and all that, you know, we, we plan. We do all these things. We have love. We still get married and have children when the world's getting nasty for fun. You know, we still do. The difference is this. And this is what Jesus wants to teach us. It's not that we don't have faith. That we, we all have faith. But he wants us to have faith in God. He wants us to have confidence in God. He wants us to have trust in God. I never met a person that doesn't have faith. They just have faith even in themselves, faith in the system, faith in their knowledge, faith in their resources, faith in their bank account, faith in whatever the case, their education, whatever the case may be. But God, Jesus came to teach us to have faith in God. 
that God can be trusted, that his word is true, that his promises are yes and amen for those who love him. That whatever he said, he says, God is not a man that he should lie. He is not a man that he should lie. He should not, not a son of man that he should repent. When he's spoken, he will do. God will accomplish that which he began in you. He's faithful to bring it to the end. And Jesus said, I can trust God. When I'm going through the Psalms, I know that my God is with me. He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Wherever you go, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for God is with me. I can trust God at his word. That is relationship. I may not understand it, but I trust and I know. I know. I know my God. The Bible says that those that know their God, they are strong and they shall do mighty exploits. They shall do great things. Why? They know him. They don't know about him. They know him. We can trust in God's goodness. He is a good God. Jeremiah 29, 11. I, know, I say, I know. I know the plans that I have towards you. Don't you worry. The plans to prosper you. No intention whatsoever to harm you. And there are plans to give you a future and to give you a hope. The gospel of Jesus Christ, it is good news. It is good news. The Bible says it's a good news of Jesus Christ. It's a horrible, scary, mean-spirited news. No, it is the good news of Jesus Christ. That the God who created the earth, the all-righteous, the almighty, would extend an invitation and say, come, as you are, that I am this, I will forgive you. Not only that, I want you to be mine. I will walk with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. That is good news, my friends. It's not the horrible news. It is good news. If we trust in that good news, it's not so hard to share. It's not. And it's not, we don't share it out of a place of duty. It's out of a place of relationship. It becomes a way of life, not something we do. I remember, <laughs> I, I shared this story in our class this morning. Um, um, this week, um, so in the last couple of weeks, we were talking. We said, hey, we need to cancel our cable and... Uh, and uh, we don't use our home phone that much, you know, and all those things, you know. So, so on last Monday, I called. We're driving uh, with the family saying, you know, I'm going to call Time Warner Cable. And I'm going to cancel my cable subscription. We don't use our home phone anyway. We can cancel that. So I called the company. I was like, oh, yeah. You know, uh, Mr. Mwanya, the, bu- the butcher, my last name, always. And I, and I forgive him. I forgive him. I'm a good man. I forgive. No. Anyway, but uh, <clears throat> because, you know, you're paid up to your... Um, uh, so, so for this long, and so we will, you will. So I said, okay, so if I'm, if I'm getting this correctly, the next two weeks I'm going to have cable so I can watch all the shows we recorded if we are able to watch them, you know, so and all that. And then I drive from work, I'm driving from work on um, Tuesday. Sarah says, hey, you know what? We don't even have the internet. We haven't had internet. The guy came in less than 12 hours. They were there, they cut me off. Boy, I started calling. I needed my internet that night. Did you hear? I needed my internet so bad that night. I couldn't even stream anything. I couldn't send any email. I couldn't do anything. So I'm calling. I was like, I need, I need, I need, I need you guys to reconnect me today. And I remember getting so upset because when I called them and the nice, wonderful person on the other side 
that's trained to be so kind and polite and, uh, you know, how can we help you and everything. And, uh, and I'm thinking, I just, I was like, you cut me. Not only did I, did I have it paid up for two weeks ahead, you cut me off. And I told you not to cut off my internet. I still need that. Um, but you cut me off early. It took less than 12 hours. And now I'm scheduled my internet to be reconnected. And it's going to take three days? That, I was like, sir, let me just check. That's the best time we could give. It's three days from now. I'm thinking, wow, wow, wow. And in my heart, I'm thinking, oh, this is serious. I told my wife, I said, sir, I'm getting so mad at these people. And she looked at me, seriously? <laughs> and I thought, yeah, you're right. It's really, isn't that crazy? We live, we live so long without internet. We didn't even know what internet. It's like, internet, what's that? But it was so funny how something little like that, how it could take you, get you mad. I could yell at somebody. I did not. Just for disclosure, I did not. I, had, I have a good wife that reminds me of the word of God. And, uh, you know, I asked the Lord, I said, God, forgive me for my area. I just realized how quick it came. It was after a long day. You know how good Satan is? After a long day, you come and oh, I'm not going to have internet. I've got to send that. I promise this. To... Yep. I said, Lord, forgive me for my anger here. You know, if I would have yelled at the person on the other phone, what good would that have done? Nada. Nothing. And it wasn't even their fault. And, um, and I tell you, they ended up, with the, the day came and we have internet, and they sent two people there. And you know, we were able to have good conversations, talked about the Lord with them. Now, if I was so mean-spirited when I called, what a great testimony of our Lord Jesus Christ I would have been to them. But many times things are happening in our lives and we want the things to go away, the trial and the pressure to go away, while God is using those things to change us. He's working us. He's making us better. He's making us better. God is always making us better. So we need to trust in God's goodness. The gospel is good news and we need to share it as such. And the last thought, or the third thought for that matter, is simplicity. Say simplicity. We get it very, very complicated sometimes. We live in a very smart world. Everything is sophisticated. You know, wa- even water. I just, am I the only one that just discovered this smart water? I'm thinking, who cares for natural, regular water when you can have smart, intelligent water? It just sounds cool. It is smart. It's in, you know, it's zero calories too. Oh, this is amazing stuff. Everything is sophisticated at times. It just sounds cool and awesome. I remember a few weeks ago, we'd gone on vacation, went to visit my father-in-law, and uh, he had uh, he had this awesome TV, beautiful. I think they call it Ultra HD. Tell you how slow I am with technology sometimes. And I think, I, I actually think those TVs are not real. I think the picture is better than real life. I'm like, no, I've seen that stuff real, and that actually enhances the image. You know, <laughs> and uh, 
it had all these sort of cool things you could do. The problem is, one time I just wanted to catch up on an NBA game. And he wasn't home. He's, only one, he's the only one that could work it. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, this, what's the good of all this, this fancy TV when only one, only one person knows how to use it? You know, it always feels cool when it's sophisticated. And I think there is a tendency for us to think if it's very simple, then it must not be valuable. And the more sophisticated, the more intelligent, the more well it's dressed up, that then the better it is, the more value we attach to something. And so if it is very simple, it must not feel that good. And you know, the gospel of the Lord, the power of the gospel, it's a simple message. It's so simple that sometimes you feel like you cheated or something. We were out at the farmer's market yesterday, and I have my troop, my whole tribe coming in. And this nice gentleman that's selling some food and had all the samples, after my family walked through, I actually felt bad. I'm thinking, I'm going to buy. Can I I buy two? I wasn't even playing. He's like, I cleaned up the samples, you know, in seconds. I'm thinking, I just felt guilty. I got to buy something now. And, you know, we do that sometimes with the gospel. The message is so simple that we feel like we have to dress it up, make up for it somehow. Maybe it means a lot to us, it's valuable to us. And so when we share the message, there's this pressure to somehow add a little bit here to try and make it more appealing. And we confiscate the simple message. I tell you, it's a simple message, but it does not say that it's not powerful. I do believe the Lord makes it simple because even a child can receive. It makes it simple that even the uneducated can receive. And sometimes this is the danger that we have in an educated, civilized society where academics is very high in our country compared to a lot of the world. And sometimes we tend to try to dress it up even more than it ought to be dressed up. Paul puts it this way. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because it is the power of God unto salvation. Another time he says that I purport to know nothing among you except Christ and him being crucified. Because if I preach nothing else, this is the only message I'm going to preach. Jesus Christ died. For the sins of the world, him crucified, him rising up, and those who believe in him, those who have faith in him, those who believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That is the gospel. It is simple, but it is powerful. It is the power of God. It says that it is the power of God that brings salvation. It says that this message of the gospel, this message of the gospel is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Can I tell you something? You don't have to be cool. You don't have to be intelligent. You don't have to even know the whole Bible. The message of Jesus Christ of the gospel, that God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him 
will not perish but have everlasting life. That, my friends, is not just words. It's the power of God. It's got the power of God behind it to change lives, to change family trees, to cause demons in hell to tremble, to set the captives free, to heal the sick. That is the power of Jesus Christ. And that's the gospel we have. We don't have to make up for it. We don't have to dress it up. We don't have to be, make it sound good. Jesus Christ, those who believe, it's faith in God. It's a message that is simple, but it's a message that is powerful and can change our world upside down when we receive it in faith and simplicity. It's simplicity. We are blessed so much when we follow this. We are blessed so much when we start sharing the gospel in its simplicity, authentically, not trying to dress it up or anything. The blessing is more to the giver than it is to the receiver even. When we do, we gain. I read a story a few years ago about two friends in the Pacific Northwest that got themselves trapped in, um, in, the, in a snowstorm. And uh, the weather got so bad, and, uh, and they felt like there was, they were blocked. They didn't have anywhere to go. And the only chance of survival they felt like they needed to get out of the car and try to find their way to safety because the temperatures were dropping, and they figured if we keep staying and waiting, we might end up dying here. And so as they were walking out, trying to find their way, the two friends ran into another guy that was on the ground already um, had hypothermia and seemed helpless. And the two friends looked at him, and the one friend, um, they, for them it was all survival. It brought a lot more fear. And I was thinking, man, this guy is here. Now, one of the friends decided, I'm not waiting. You know, don't, don't see the, I'm, uh, here it's just my own survival. And they ran, the guy ran out and went, found his way. The one friend did not, could not just leave that guy lying there, even though they all could possibly be dead. And he tried the best he could to try and bring the other guy along, try to carry him. And you know what? They eventually got to help, and the two men survived. The friend that left did not. And what they discovered that is that the reason those two survived is because of the work that they were putting on the two body temperatures. Working together, they were warming each other, and the effort that they were putting kept their blood warm, and that is what saved their lives. And I thought, boy, that would, uh, it tells a lot about sometimes we have our own situation. Things are going on in our own lives. We feel like God is just survival for me. I need to be fed. I need, to be, I, need, I, need, I need something for me. And God says, no, you go do it until you go disciple the new believer. You take someone through that book. You do this. You follow up. You go minister to somebody else. And in the process, God ministers to you. Let's stand up.